0: All right. Let's uh, open up to Genesis one. And uh, you know, the scriptures say don't pray or address the the dead, but Hebrews that say that right. There's a cloud of witnesses, right? And so I, I believe that Helen is is attending service in some way or some fashion. Um, yeah. We're going of Genesis uh, chapter 1, verse 1. Um, we are, for those of us that are new here and just came out, we are engaging in a um, sermon series on heirloom seeds, the art and value of the heirloom, the heirloom seed. Uh, and uh, what this is, is this notion that I believe that um, in the church we have a tendency to have spiritual ADD, right? We jump from... New teaching and new ministry, and, and it happens every five to ten years in my experience, and that's fine, and that's that could be actually very good if it's a biblical sound doctrine. But we don't want to forget about the seeds, the teachings that previous generations have taught us, because they're treasurable. but they are treasurable. and are valuable, and so those are really the context. For this. So, the last time I preached was on first century and the spirit of urgency that is needed in the church again. Uh, and today is a very kind of different one, and it's on uh, stewarding or stewardship. In fact, stewarding your garden. And so, let's open up uh, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Chapter 1, verse 28 of Genesis. Then God blessed them, meaning man and woman. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it to have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Alright, what we have here is something interesting. This is the first commandment. First command, spoken to man, be fruitful, multiply, and go out into the earth and have dominion over the earth, essentially. First commandment in the Bible, okay? I think that's like a pretty old heirloom seed, the very first seed that's been dropped into the soil. First teaching that was laid out to man is this, okay? All right, so we have all that, and so that's just the context and now Let's 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 talk a little bit. So Here it is. I just got back from Montana with Jose uh, It was a wonderful peaceful beautiful epic time uh, Because Montana is an epic place right and now uh, we're, we're there and uh, it was you know, you can't get away from the Lord right even in the wilderness uh, You can ask Jose. This is exactly what happened. It was crazy. It was absolutely crazy like the Lord It has to be saying something. Yeah, so we're right off of that trail right there, in the middle of Yellowstone Park, about an hour and a half outside of Bozeman, Montana. I mean, a raw, huge park. Right? Bigger than some countries. Oh yeah, bigger than some countries. And so we're walking off the trail, and I'm wearing shorts as part of the the, the story, because I have a tattoo on the back of my calf, okay? My right calf, uh, which is a symbol in, in Jerusalem. And I'm walking, and we hear, hey, are you from Jerusalem? And I turned around and looked at this guy and he looks at me and says, David?
1: <laughs> <laughs> There's
0: a man by the name of Ruben. Uh, he's an Armenian Christian. His family has been in Israel since 1910. He married an American girl and is living in the United States. I have not seen him in 12 years. and we were not that like super close. So Ruben, if you're watching I mean. I love you, and my memory of you this is very nice, but it's not like you we were like BFFs in Israel, right? Kinda of had mutual friends kind of thing. Totally crazy, like, what the heck? That's awesome. Awesome, right, Mel? Well, how about, like, the next day? Yeah. The next day, we're in Bozo Montana, we're hanging out, and people are wearing masks outside. I see this girl, and I'm like, she looks really familiar. I can't tell, it's a mask. <laughs> she goes into the store. She comes out of the store with the guy, and as soon as I look at the guy, Kidding me. It's like Mr. Greenacle! <laughs> so both of them were students of mine from several years ago. <laughs> and actually the one kid, Ross, I teach uh, with his, his uh, with his mother, she's a math teacher, and I taught him and so we were like Tosi and the Lord has to be like saying something. Like, what is this all about? Like we've traveled thousands of miles to some Recluse place and I'm um, running into these people. It's like, what the heck is going on? And I mean, you yeah, know, we're going before the Lord, trying to figure this out. You know, I, feel like, I, I feel like I was like a
1: celebrity.
0: <laughs> 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 so the way we're looking at it is this: uh, is that uh, in fact, uh, Yellowstone and meeting this this, this guy from Israel is kind of a representation of the past. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, visiting or seeing the students miraculously is a representation of the present. And I'm like, well, what's the third? Like, Lord, I'm like waiting for like some kind of sign and what have you. Like, you know, are you calling me to to Montana or something? And no, he's not. But you know, we're just like, what's going on here? It's very peculiar. What are you trying to say, Lord? so, you know, I, I, there, there's a punchline to this. But we can go to the video of, of the waterfall on the uh, church's desktop. That'll be good. Um, just so you can see what we're talking about here. I mean, here we go. Same age as my three girls, and it was like there was this bond right off the bat. It was like crazy. And the parents were like, they're not like that with people. And so the Holy Spirit was just doing something. And so, reflecting upon us, trying to figure this all out, I felt the Lord was saying that this third meeting that you were to have is with the state of Montana itself. Okay. Um, and really, it's not Montana as a state, it is what Montana brings. Come on, so when we're there and people that we're with are telling us over and over again, it was totally true. There, was like, there is such peace. Yeah. There's such purity. I mean, you just go over the streams, you drink water right out of the creeks. Wow. There's such serenity that is there. There's also a wilderness about it. Yeah, that's good. He's saying rich people know this. He's like, there are multi-millionaires that are moving from California and New York. And they're moving into these places because there's such a purity such a peace that's there, it's like you're there, it's just... And we fly into New York. New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> I like, oh my. <laughs> so, all right, well, I, look, I'm telling you, I, I have been like chomping at the bit to teach the heirloom seed of spiritual warfare. I'm like, I want to teach you spiritual warfare. I want to teach you on spiritual warfare. Can't wait to teach you on spiritual warfare. In other words, like, no, I'm going to teach you on a different heirloom seed. I'm like, come on. Okay. <laughs> What's the air of the seed? It is the most ancient of seeds But it's a seed That I think we largely have forgotten And what is it? God's original plan God's original plan, whether you uh, know it or not Was in fact to hang out With two naked vegetarians <laughs> Truth <laughs> Truth Like That's God's original plan I want to hang out with two people that are kind of hippy-dippy, hanging out in the forest, that are nudists, that are eating fruits and vegetables that I have shown you to eat. That's the original plan! Californians. <laughs> 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 but the reality here is this, I, I believe the heirloom seed is this, uh, that we are called to steward tend to the garden. That's good, come on. I want to say this again. Our call, the most ancient of seeds, the priority, the first declaration unto man, for anything else, steward, tend to the garden while residing in his presence. That's good, come on. Number one thing, the first thing ever. Okay. So Genesis one right? We have this connection to land, right? In the beginning created God, the heavens and the earth. Like this is the beginning of the book. This is the beginning of history. It's setting it all out. What is the first utterance? God creates two things, the heavens and the earth. And what I feel the Lord is speaking in this heirloom scene dynamic is this. The original plan before sin, and the plan that is to meet its full fruition underneath Jesus is for the two places, heaven and earth, to resign as one. To bring heaven to earth. That's that's the plan. God creates a garden, so there's like this heavenly experience. There's no sin. He is walking with his creation. There's no blockage of sin. There's no blockage in the holiness. Like, he is walking, it says, in the cool of the day, and he heard God's voice. What is the story of Jesus? The story of Jesus is essentially to restore Eden again, correct? Yeah, come on. And in fact, at the end of the book in Revelation, he's coming back to be with his creation again and even ultimately creating a new heavens and a new earth, right? And kind of doing this kind of circular kind of notion to eternal history. Come on. And so Psalms 115, right? Awesome verse. I've heard a lot of people preach at it. Psalm 115, 16. I believe this is really a major part of understanding the first seed, the first declaration by God. Psalm 115, verse 16. The heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth he has given to the children of men. Ah, uh, God has heaven. The earth he's given man. Well, what is he given it to man for? To steward it. Steward it. To tend to it. To take care of it and its creation. Come on, we're all oh, oh, its creation. Now, in order to understand this a little bit, i want to get into some things here, right? Because I I think we we have such a Western modern view of the scriptures, which does a lot of damage. You have to understand the Lord is, is writing the word to a desert people, and then he takes that desert people and he brings them to a fertile plain in the Mediterranean, and he's dealing with an agricultural people, a people that farm, people that take care of animals. People that live a very visceral life, right? Visceral meaning very, very uh, construct, very physical with the elements in God's creation. And we largely live inside of the creation that man has made, right? Yeah. Right. The technology and the, and, and the buildings and the skyscrapers. And I'm just gonna be real with you, it's very hard for me to hear the Lord in the midst of man's creation. It's a lot easier to hear the Lord in the midst of his creation. That's good. That's just me. Party here, lord in time Square. Yeah, it's like I just see the things of men. So, to better understand this concept of land, this concept of gardens, we're so far away from this, so removed. I want to take a little time and talk about land in the Scripture. Uh, first thing that we really need to understand with like this is Genesis chapter two, verse fifteen. Then the Lord God took the man, and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. Now this has a different flavor than Genesis 1. Genesis 1, to have dominion and subdue. Onward, Christian soldier. Genesis chapter 2, it's not only really dominion and subduing, it's tending to, taking care of. There's a difference. There's a difference. So what is the call? The call is to tend to. To steward the land. That is the first declaration for man. Alright, now, only thing that you can understand for a little biblical understanding are two concepts. One is a, a biblical law of study, which is called the law of first mention. Meaning, In the scriptures, when a word is referenced first, it's first time. It's showing the utterance of importance of how we are to view that. Okay, so biblical scholars take a look at, for example, first time "holy" is used is in Genesis, and it's in reference to a day of the week, Sabbath. You see the whole notion of Jesus coming to bring forth a Sabbath age. It's part of the restoration of humanity, right? It's the entry to a Sabbath rest for eternity. But Sabbath is first mentioned in reference to time. So when it's first mentioned, there's something there. And so, okay, when is the first time that evidence or land, is mentioned in the Bible? It's Genesis 1. The first sentence. He made the heavens and the earth. And then soon after, he says that he made a garden, a piece of land for a man to inhabit. And what are they to do with that land? They are to tend to it. It's the first time the understanding and concepts of land are being limited. And it's very, very important. biblical teaching to look at that the other thing that biblical scholars look at is not just the law of first mention but also the multiple use of words okay like how many times words are used in the bible because what does it show it shows that like it's pretty important so the most important word in in the hebrew language is et that's used the most and essentially it's the it's like, all right, you get rid of conjunctions, you get rid of prepositions, yeah. what's left? Okay, because of course, those are going to happen. And so let's say, look, Jehovah, Yahweh, number one word in the Bible, rightfully so, 6,632 times. Wow. Makes sense, right? Two, king. Used 2,518 times. So, the second most used word in the Bible. Let's take a look at some words in the Bible that aren't used as often as the others, but it seems that Christians are obsessed about them, and some of it is rightfully so obsessed. For example, fear. 365 times. That's it. Oh, wow, it's far. 365 days of fear and even declared. I promise. Okay, that's cool. Come on! It's, it's not a major motif. That's what I'm trying to say. Like free, like it's like don't you're not even yeah. You know, don't be, be afraid, afraid, right? It's a commandment. Touch your commandment. Do not be free. Only really, three hundred sixty-five times. Right? It's a lot less than six thousand. Ooh, salvation. Now, obviously, this is a very important word. Okay, but I just want to show you that the use of it is only one hundred sixty-four times. God, I mean, I think that's interesting. Yeah. Last, I love this one, sin. <laughs> focus on sin. 749, now what I'm just trying to paint a picture of is this. When we take a look at the multiple use of the context of the scripture, what is the primary focus? Uh, primary focus is to be God. Jehovah, God. That's what it's about. That's the, the point of centrality. It's number one, kingship, lordship, right? Jesus. So here we go. When? Two thousand
1: five hundred
0: four times. It is the third most used word in the Bible, and I've never heard a message on it. Wow. Have you? I mean, never Jehovah, God, Yahweh. I've I've taught it, heard it. King. Well, of course. We we talk about all. Sermon on land. Well, do and do dance. It's the third most used word in the Bible. It's good. Come on. I think we need to like digest this a little bit. Amen. Yeah, I agree. So let's digest it. All right, land in the Bible. I mean, I could go through and give you some verses, but there's 2,504 of them. So I'm going to kind of paraphrase. A lot of the verses of dealing with land, is that the land is holy. That he's put his name on certain land, Israel. He says things like righteousness shall spring forth from the land. Wow. He says that he's going to return to the land. It's so his kingdom has trouble. But <laughs> you have to understand here is this. It's going to rub some of us the wrong way. It's, oh, it's okay. all good. The, underneath the Older Testament, the original penalty for sin Come on, say it. is keret. You shall be cut off from the land yeah. and from the tribe. Yeah. That's the penalty of sin. Hmm. So the original penalty for sin is being cut off from the land. We see this in Latin Eve. What is, it, what is the penalty for sin? Being, carried, being cut off from Eden. Yeah. When Israel is a nation, the penalty for sin is you are to be carried, kicked out of the land. Cut off from the tribe. Okay? That's what's going on in biblical literature, in biblical theories here. That doesn't offend anyone. It's a little hard to have heaven, hell, and penalties when there's no Jesus. It means everyone's going to hell, right? I mean, right? If you don't have, I mean, we like Moses and David, and everyone is in hell, right? I mean, if there's no total work of Jesus, where's Moses? Where's David? All that kind of stuff. That's the whole teaching Abraham's bosom and things like that. But what I'm trying to get at here is the, the 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 penalty for sin is being cut off from the people, being yeah. cut off from the land. Yeah. Hope I didn't like totally wreck the world, right? Alright, row roll three in my notes. Alright, so Montana. Let's right? bring us back to Montana, right? So, Okay, so what I'm learning here in, in, in Montana, and as the Lord is speaking to me, is this heirloom seat of stewardship. It's a steward. And the importance of being a steward, uh, and uh, when, when we're looking at this, when I'm looking at this, I'm like, man, when you go to Montana, I'm just telling you, there is something that awakens inside of a man. And it could very well be for a woman as well, but there is something that awakens inside of a man. I mean, and what is it? I really believe because of the rural nature of Montana is is what awakens inside of men and some women. It's this—a call to bring order out of chaos. That's good. To civilize, to steward, to fence in, to protect. Prune to make better. Guys, this is why men love watching those outdoor shows. (laughs) Why? Because the original plan for man was to steward the earth and to subdue and go out to the nations and civilize or subdue it. In fact, it is even so beautiful that it's the penalty for Adam's sin. You are to do what to the soil? Till it. It's God's original intent for us to take care of the garden, to take care of the land, and it's also our penalty for sin to take care of it. Now you just got to sweat. Yeah. <laughs> right? Women, you have a penalty too, right? Pain of childbirth and, 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 and other things as well. But we pray for our praying ladies that if God has broken the powers of sin. Yeah. And the penalty of sin was pain in childbirth, and childbirth. Then, therefore, why not can we not believe that childbirth yeah. could be yeah. not painful? Yeah. We prayed that over Michelle, and the nurses were like, "Your wife took no drugs, and she appeared to have less pain than women on drugs." All right, that's because we prayed to break the curse on Eve. It right? <laughs> <Same> worked. <laughs> Oh, she's coming. I you want know, to cheapen her experience. I mean, still was child. The nurses were like, "What's going on? It's supernatural." All right. Lessons from Genesis with this stuff. The earth was void. God said it was chaotic, and He brings order to it. He then said that man was made in the likeness and image of God, and if we're made in the image and likeness of Him, part of our role is to bring order to the. Chaos, to bring order to the garden, to bring order to the earth, to steward the earth. Now, steward in Greek is okinonos. It's a person that manages or takes care of a household. And so you're like, what the heck? Especially guess, sorry, guess. What what is this guy talking about? What's this? Bring it together. People focus on being kings in the kingdom. But before you are a king of many lands, you need to learn to be a farmer. Come on. Everyone preaches about dominion. Everyone preaches about kingship. I'm like, I want to hear about what it means to be a farmer. That's good. Because that's the original call. Let's uh, go to the most epic advertisement that has ever been made.
2: Shoe a horse with a hunk of car tire, who can make harness out of hay, wire, feed sacks, and shoe scraps. Who, planning time and harvest season, will finish his 40-hour week by Tuesday noon and then paint from tractor back, put in another 72 hours. So God made a farmer. God said, I need somebody strong enough to clear trees and heave bales, yet gentle enough to yean lambs and wean pigs and tend to pink foam bullets, who will stop his mower for an hour to split the broken leg of a meadowlark. So God made a farmer. It had to be somebody who would plow deep and straight and not cut corners. Somebody to seed, weed, feed, breed, and break, and disk, and plow, and plant, and tie the fleece, and strain the milk. Somebody would bail a family together with the soft, strong bonds of sherry, who would laugh, and then sigh, and then reply with smiling eyes, when his son says that he wants to spend his life doing what dad does. So God's made a farmer.
0: So, God's last act of creation is making a farmer, not making kings. Come on. I'm all for kingship. I'm for dominion. It has a place in the Bible, but I'm just telling you right now that there needs to be an understanding before being a king, being a farmer. See, earthly kings rule. Let's, let's, Let's hear it in difference here. Earthly kings rule, farmers caretake. Earthly kings have others work, farmers get dirt underneath their fingernails. Earthly kings sit on an altar, farmers wake up at 4 a.m. to tend to the cattle. There is being a part of God's creation, being a part of what He's doing, opposed to standing outside of. And God's original intent is for us to be a part of. Look, I get it. I mean, I have a decent understanding of the word. I mean, Revelation 1.16, he says, I make you kings and priests. Yes, amen. First Peter 2.9 says that you are called to be a royal priesthood. Amen, I believe that. But yes, we're called to be these royal priests. But I believe that the true, full, biblical picture is this. That we're called to be farmers and caretakers. That so happened to become kings and priests. Come on, let good. It's about taking care of, it, not using. So, biblical stewardship. Biblical stewardship is not about money, it's about caretaking, it's about stewarding what the Lord has given to you. The Lord owns all things and owns the earth. He has created the earth, but He has given it unto us with a responsibility to take care of it. Come on. And I believe in the church we, we largely sometimes can lose this understanding because we're kings, aren't we? Come on. Well, here's the thing. Guys. Owners have rights and stewards have responsibilities. And so my question for this era of scene is this: are you being responsible of the land that the Lord has given you? Come on. Whatever plot of land, the physical or in the spirit, that the Lord has given you. Have you been responsible to take care of it? Or are you lording over it? Look, this is a a spiritual principle. Land is a symbol. Look, not many people own land. In fact, I would argue that in the United States of America, it's impossible to own land. Right? You pay off your mortgage, you still don't own that land. You have to pay taxes for the land. Then therefore, you're still renting from the United States government. You're paying a tax for it, right? It's really symbolic, it's really a spiritual principle to subdue and take care of the things that you already have. To take care of your mind, to take care of your body, to take care of your soul, to take care of your family, to take care of your spouse. And really, to build an area of authority around that. Come on. Because that's the call. Now let's take a look at how the world operates, right? We have a structure, on earth. Amen? Yeah. We have nations and nation states. Underneath that, you have your localized communities. We have your church. We have your family. And then, of course, we have you, the individual, right? This is like the structure of organization on earth. But what I want us to understand, understanding this concept of heirloom seeds is this. Adam and Eve could not enlarge the garden because they could not steward themselves. Wow. That's so good. It's very important in the the new teaching that's out there on Dominion Theology, Kingdom Now. You can't have authority over anything until you have authority over the self. That's good. That's a good word. A lot of people that are like setting themselves up to be the kings of the earth and all this kind of stuff in the spirit, it's like, bro, Take care of your family yet? It's good, come on. Have you gone on a date with your wife yet? Have you gone to your kids' softball game yet? Have you taken care of being significantly overweight yet? Have you taken care of those things yet? Well, no. You're not stewarding yourself. You're not stewarding your own garden. How on earth are you going to extend the garden? Come on. You can't. It's out of biblical order. That's good. And that's why, unfortunately, we see a lot of ministries and we see a lot of people fall into sin. Because they're going outside into to inside out. That's good. They mm-hmm. look for dominion and they forgot what it meant, what it means to be a farmer. Mm-hmm. It's a very important principle. Well, there's good news, right? The good news is this. uh, Adam and Eve, okay, could not enlarge the garden because of their sin, but the reality here is a new Adam came. Come on, right? A new Adam came. Uh, And he came into a new garden, the Garden of Gethsemane. And it's in that place that he crushed the serpent of old. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 45. And so it is written, the first man Adam became a living being, and the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, and afterward the spiritual. The first man was of the earth made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. And as we have been born, Born the image of the man of the dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. What we have here is the notion is that in fact we cannot be underneath that curse anymore. We can be underneath the, the the blessing of the new Adam to tend to the garden that we have and to engage in the original plan again. The original plan was to take care of the Eden that God has given unto man and then to extend it and to step out and to spread it out. Can we have the worship team come on down, please? Just close it up with, that is a day of close up, right? So it's not really a close up. Beginning <laughs> <laughs> it on close. I have to. Step with an Asking some questions here, uh, one is what is, what is this thing called stewardship? So then we need to get into the Western Church, especially the American Church, okay? It is not just to consume.
2: Come
0: on. It's not just about consuming in the physical, it's not just consuming in the spiritual. Come on. It's a lot of Christians who spend their entire Christian life simply consuming. Consuming things of the spirit, consuming teachings, consume, 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 and they get spiritually obese. Yeah, that's good. They spiritually die. Because you're not meant to just consume, you are meant to prune. Come on. You're, You're meant to shape things into the heavenly realm. And to do that, you have to work the soil, the spiritual soil. What is to steward? To steward is to, in fact, separate the wheat from the chaff. To get rid of the thistles. To tend to your garden. To get rid of the sin and the things that need to go in your life. Come on, We need to do that. Uh, what is stewardship? It is to steward what you have. And also what you are. I, I really want you to understand. It is to steward what the Lord has given you, but also to steward who you are. To work on yourself. To prune yourself. To be inside of your own self. That own paradise with the Holy Spirit. And say, I need to remove some of those thistles. To steward is to work by pruning and taking care of things to see the fullness of the kingdom that you may actually never see. So ministers out there, I think, sometimes uh, have a tendency to want to build up their own kingdom so that they can see it. So when they leave this earth, they can look what I have achieved. And I think there's individual people who do that as well. But a true steward thinks about life this way. A society grows great when old men plant trees whose shade they know they shall never sit in. Wow. That's what farmers do. They prune themselves. They prune the fruit. They work on their children. They work on the ministry. Not so it's dominion. Not so it's about them. But that the soil will be in a healthier place. How do we steward Stewardship is not just doing things for God it's inviting him into the process. It's inviting him into the garden again. To have him with us, not when we consume and use and take over, but so that we can caretake and make everything better in his likeness and in his image. Luke chapter 17 verse 20 says it this way. Now when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, let's answer this your theological world when the Pharisees went him and says when will the kingdom of God come Jesus answer says the kingdom of God does not come with observation nor will they say see here or see there for indeed the kingdom of God is within you within every man there's all these teachings of bring the kingdom, bring the kingdom, bring the kingdom, as if you have to go and see it. And Jesus is saying to the Pharisees, it's already here. It's inside of you. But we get confused in the church because we keep looking like the kingdom is outside of ourselves. Something that we need to acquire, opposed to something that has already been given to us that we need to prune. and We need to take care of. Look, his kingdom begins with you, as it says in Luke 17, and then it spills over into your spouse. And then it spills over to your kids. And then it spills over to the community. And then it spills over to the nation. We need to look at it as something that is from the inside out, not from the outside that I need to acquire. That's dominion. Stewardship of pruning and taking care of it. I already have it. It's right here. We're missing it. It's so good. Because we're not farmers anymore. It's so good. We're businessmen. Mm-hmm. Choir. Corporate takeover. Takeover over land. Takeover over land. Bro, how about land? It's right here. Take care of it. And as I take care of it, it grows. It grows. We do need to enlarge the kingdom of God, of course, but we need to do it with the peace and with the cadence of His breath. Before you preach to the nations, grow a vegetable garden in your backyard. Come on. Say it again. Before you preach to the nations. Grow a vegetable garden, in your backyard. Plant and steward the garden, the land, the place of authority that you already have in your very own household. Come on. Get that eaten right and watch all else beheaded unto. Why do we steward the garden this is finishing up for real? We do it because it is His plan from the beginning the first articulation. I'm here, you mean, what do I do? Be fruitful, multiply, mean, have lots of kids. I get theological on it, but you don't multiply until you have three kids. <laughs> That's true. You have one, you decline. If you have two, you replicate. Three, you now multiply. I make making theology out of it, especially since I have three kids, and trying to convince my wife for four. <laughs> but to multiply the earth, can do that spiritual right for those that don't have kids and even those that do have kids like the real power is to multiply in the spirit amen but to spread the garden out why else do we steward our garden first because it's in good order it's in good biblical order it's good man we transform ourselves from the inside out not the outside in it's in appropriate order and it Gets rid of all the silly problems that happen in the church. There's right. so many people that are thinking about things that they have to do and fix, it. it's like, I want to just be the mean guy and be like, bro, you gotta fix this. Come on. That's good. Like, you wanna be a pastor, dude? you gotta fix your own life. Come on, man. But try trying to do it nice. <laughs> Look, I guess what happens here is that the problems in the church emerge is because people are trying to garden east of Eden and haven't taken care of Eden yet. And east of Eden is the place of the banishment, it's the place of the sin. And so, why don't we stand? gonna close up right here, I think. Jesus. I believe this is an important message. Because it's the most ancient of seeds. And I think it's an important message because there in the West is a clear theology out that, that we have many people that are looking to change the world through dominion and also through dominance. I believe that dominance is a place of not the cross. It's the place of the ego. It's good. It's a place of control. It's the place of the flesh. And if we walk out in that type of processing, this is what we're doing. We're trying, or it is, really attempting to bring earth to heaven and not heaven to earth. I need that to sink in. A lot of our actions is we are using earthly principles in order to impact what we believe heaven is. Opposed to allowing heaven to impact earth. I'm all for heaven coming to earth, people. But I'm about doing it in the way that God has intended to do it. Yes, you are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Amen. But you cannot conquer appropriately until you learn how to be a farmer. Because then you know the value of soil. Then you know the value of resources. Then you know the value of people. You don't just trample on them. You don't just use them for a tithe check. You don't just use them for their gifting and their callings. But your brothers and sisters and you prune and you take care of Eden it together. That's good. Come on. It's good. In my world, that's radical. I know some of you in ministry probably can express it. These people that walk out in the dominion, uh, they eventually, unfortunately, fall. They fall to sin. Because they view ministry, they use things as a place of control and dominion. But let me tell you something. Farmers, caretakers, stewards, they don't take, they prune. They don't destroy the soil. They feed the soil. For they are in the cadence of the earth's rhythms, and they walk with the breath of God in the garden once again. And they are the ones that shall be called the sons and daughters of God. So yes, a radical heirloom seed. As the big preachers, not all of them, but some of them, and the big seed church looks to become dominant, I just simply want to be a farmer. Come on. I want to steward the earth. I want to steward what the Lord has given. And yes, in the Spirit, He wants to raise us up to be priestly kings. But I think it might be better said that He wants to raise us up, not just to be priestly kings, but to be priestly farmers. Closing up for real, Luke 16, we're just going to close out with this. Verse 10. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, the money, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? Lord, I come before you and I just ask that we would walk in the peace of the wilderness. That we would walk in the peace of Montana. That we would walk in the peace of understanding the pace and the cadence of God's creation. That we're not supposed to put the cart before the horse, But we are to be faithful in the little. And then you, you, not us, you will enlarge the 10 pages. Father, I pray that we as individuals, and we as ministers, and we as our church could be a people that take our kingship in Christ. We can adopt a spirit of stewardship. But I pray that all of us would look at ourselves, including myself, that we would look at ourselves and say, what thistle needs to be removed? Good. Which part of my family, which, which part of my household needs some tending to? Where can I enrich the soil? Where can I add water? Because it's in that place that there's such peace. You don't strive. You don't strive. You walk in the garden hearing his voice being spiritually, spiritually nude before him. Nothing covered. In Jesus' name. Hope to see you on Wednesday. And maybe next week will be a more fiery message on spiritual warfare. But maybe not. Who knows? Please feel free to just resign in a place of worship. I just ask if there are non-spiritual conversations, you know, if you can do that out in the lobby. So we just keep this place a holy place of just connecting with Him in the garden. Amen.